0: So it's chapter 9 tonight. Thank God we've been doing this for about 11 weeks now, 12 weeks now. I see. Okay, so there it is. And uh, thank God we've been, we've been keeping a wonderful pace, a chapter a week. And the men are, the men are showing up, so... The men shows up, the circle keeps going. If I could say it, chapter 9, for me, is one of the most important chapters in the All of Tanya. It's really where everything comes to a head, and it's where everything goes from here. You know, the Tanya centered around three people. The tzaddik, the righteous man, the Benoni, the average man, the Russia, the wicked man. Or as we translate them here, the superman, the weak man, and the possible man. The Tzaddik is the superman, he's won the battle. The is not for Tzaddiks. The Russia is the weak man, he gave in. Giving in even once, even once. Makes you a Russia. The Benoni is the possible man. The Benoni is the hero of the Tanya, and it's the Benoni that we strive to be. If only for in certain moments, we can't live as a Benoni necessarily, but we can strive that in certain moments, in certain places and times, we live as a Benoni. Typically, we're all the Russia, but I want to put a positive spin on that for a second. We're not a Russia. We're Balei Tshuva. Repentance, we're doing repentance. We've given in, and now we're, we're, we're zeroing back in to, to re, re-steer the course. And that's really what the Tanya is about, the book of the Benoni, the book for in-betweeners, the book for the possible human being. But we spent the first eight chapters not talking about that. We introduced them in chapter one, but they left. For eight chapters, we spent on vocabulary. We learned the functions of every Jew. Doesn't matter if you're a Tzaddik or a Benoni or a Rasha, every Jew has two souls, the godly soul, the animal soul. And what we discovered over the past eight weeks is that every soul has the same form, every soul has the same makeup. Each has intellectual capacity, each has emotional capacity, Each has the ability to think and process, and the ability to feel and emote. Each has garments, thought, speech, and action. Each soul expresses itself, does things. Godly soul does godly things, animal soul does animal things. But, it's all the same system. Other than that, they're different in every other imaginable way. And the core difference is the opening line of chapter 9 where the Alter of the Balatanya says, the residence of the godly soul is in the mind. The residence of the animal soul is in the heart. That's it. With one line he captures the essence of the difference between the animal soul and the godly soul. When you say someone's residence is in the mind, the residence is in the heart, we don't mean that only the godly soul thinks and only the animal soul feels. The question is, who's the guiding force? What's the difference between intellect and emotion? We talked about this in chapter three. Intellect looks for the truth. Feelings are a reflection of you. Objectivity, subjectivity. Only with pure intellect can you really reach the truth of something. If you're in any way influenced to, to, to prove an outcome or to get a result, that's, that's your heart true intellect is occupied with truth. So to live in the mind, in this context, I don't mean to live in your head, you know, that kind of living in your head. It's a bad living in your head. But for the godly soul to live in the mind, what that means is he's fully and solely occupied with the pursuit of truth. He wants to understand the purpose of creation. What's the real reality? Where is the creator? How can I make him present? And how can I bridge the gap between myself, my consciousness, and the divine reality? That's all he wants. He resides in the brain. His power is the force of the thought process. The animal soul, the heart's his guiding light. The center is I. The given is I. The basis is self. So, people that are self-centered, do they not think? course they think. These are the guys that uh, cheat people out of millions of dollars. Genius scams. Uh, These are not the stupid people of society. These are are very smart people, but their heart, their, their mind has been harnessed to the heart versus harnessing the heart to the mind. And so because of that, the animal soul is impulsive. The divine soul is reflective. The animal soul responds to the clock. The divine soul responds to internal direction of right and wrong. The godly soul is idealistic. The animal soul is selfish. The godly soul is guided by vision. The animal soul is guided by temptation. These are the arrows. The godly soul is filled with destiny, purpose, he wants direction. The animal soul just wants instant gratification, that's all he wants give it to me so that I can have it and I'll use any means to get it. These are the two souls. These are the two voices. These are the two forces that live inside every single one of us. It doesn't matter what level you are. That's what's important about the first eight chapters. Weak man, possible man, superman. Everybody's got him. Everybody's got him. This is the essential makeup of a Jew. Now, Here's the issue. If the godly soul would live in Beijing and the animal soul would live in Alaska, everything would work. By the way, even if the godly soul kept at home in the mind and the animal soul kept at home in the heart, that also might work. The issue is, Hashem gave the godly soul and the animal soul the same space to occupy. The same space to occupy, the same person Same brain, same heart, same hands, same feet. And he said, fight it out. That's what he said. That's the existential struggle of life. Are we guided by our moral, proper, godly sense of direction? Or our base, animalistic (coughs) desires? Yes. Yes. Subjective, correct. It, it, in other words, it, it's, it's a constant butting heads, you understand? We all know, the, we all know this in life. You got people that uh, prefer to just go their separate ways. Look, he gets on my nerves, so I don't talk to him. He doesn't talk to me. Just don't bring us together in the same room. And then you have the nudniks who want to bring them together, just to watch what happens, right? <laughs> in other words, bring me and Philip together so we got... <laughs> <laughs> he missed <not> <laughs> Missed the joke. It's all good. <laughs> but you, that, that, this is this is the thing. <coughs> Hashem put it together in the same person, and, and we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to see who wins. And the altar it describes in graphic detail. Those of you who are able to see the chapter inside, you know what I'm talking about. He, he the, the the analogy he gives is a city. It's a city. You say, who wins? That is against the yeah, well who wins is the question of life. About the Both. The question is does is the objective gonna win or the subjective? It's that, that's that that's the battle. And there's a city the altar ever describes with two strongholds. Two forces of power have invaded. And each one wants to govern. Each one wants full rights. Each one wants full access. And they'll do anything they can to get that full access. But remember, they're each going to use their method. The godly soul knows no other method than the intellectual thought process. That's his guiding light. So he wants to educate. He doesn't want to forcefully grab. He doesn't want to Control, he doesn't want to be mean. He wants to just teach. Let me give you insight into what you're not seeing. Everybody has a blind spot, and people want to be given insight. So, that's all the godly soul wants. He says, Give me a couple of minutes, let me give you some ideas, process them, digest them, have them percolate, and let's see what happens if the animal soul will listen. That's his way of wanting to govern. But he wants—he wants everything. The animal soul—it's the other side. He wants to have everything with the heart way. That is too much. But he wants. You this is this is this is the battle. Yep. Each one wants to sweep across the city, and uh, and wants to win it. Here's the critical element though Marriage. Here's the critical element. In this battle, there's no United Nations. There's no appeasements, there's no ceasefires, there's no resolutions, there's no negotiations, there's no 25% yours, 75% mine, let me give you two hours of the day, give me the rest, none of that each one wants full and absolute control. So the godly, you'll never say, you'll never hear the godly soul saying, look, give me shacharit, okay, give me the morning, and then go and do whatever you want. shacharit, or you know what, make a two service, come to my too, and then leave me alone. And the animal soul is never going to say, I'll give you an hour to learn Torah, Uh, the rest is mine. It's everything. It's all or not. It's it's all or nothing. That's what it is. It's my way or the highway. It, they, the only option is surrender. That is it. The only option on the table is surrender. The animal soul wants the godly soul to surrender. The godly soul wants the animal soul to surrender. And it ties in like the Amalek nothing less than complete conquest is, accept- is acceptable. The, 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 you know those teachers, nothing less than full performance is acceptable, it, nothing less than full conquest is acceptable. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. That's the war of life. It's the war of life we started this series of classes with, talking about the, the, the conflict each person experiences internally. One moment it's this, one moment it's that, one moment I'm heated in the passion of godly inspiration, the next moment, I'm heated in the passion of immoral lust. How do I make sense of it? This, this, this is actually the question that was asked to the Alter Rebbe so many times that got him to write the Tanya. I mean, this, this was it. And the Alter Rebbe, a great empathetic teacher, describes the battle graphically so that we know that he gets us. Sometimes we think that tzaddik lives in the outside world. He doesn't get what it's like to be the regular man. The Alter Rebbe knows exactly what it's like to be us. It's hard to be us. It's difficult. It's, 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 it's a battle every day and every moment of every day. And it's the calling we have to answer to every single minute. But if we explore the methods and the tactics and the strategy of war, we'll have more capability to deal with it, right? Tell a kid, You got a good voice and a bad voice. Someone's got to win. Okay? He doesn't have understanding of what it is these voices are saying, how it is these voices work. You're not empowering him. But demystify it. Show him where exactly he loses control. It's a Tanya class, but... uh, I, I like to bring in truths and wisdom from the outside world. There's a great, great child psychologist. I don't know if that's his official title, but Dr. Rick Lavoie. you heard of him? This is, this is one of the geniuses of our time. And uh, he has a thing he calls a social autopsy. He deals with kids that have learning disabilities and social awkwardness. And uh, he helps them understand where they lost control in any given situation. He calls it a social autopsy. He walks them step by step through wherever it is they went off and he reveals how kids have misunderstandings. They think one thing was wrong and they discover that it was the other thing. So these insights simplify your experience and they allow you to be empowered to face the battles. So the Alter Ebbet does the same thing here. He actually walks us through The methodology the animal soul wants to use to lure us into his trap, and the methodology the godly soul wants to use to educate and win his battle. So we'll start with the godly soul. The godly soul, like we said, is all about the mind. Chapter 3, we spend considerable time talking about the three stages of intellectual process Chokhmah, Bina, Dat literally translates wisdom, understanding, knowledge but the way we explained it there's conception an idea just comes the flash of light then there's experimentation where you test it you see if it holds water you examine the details you make sure everything is is working all the details work out and then there's that personalization where you draw the link between the idea that could remain divorced from your personality and bring it together fuse it with whatever it is you're experiencing and that's the transition which leads to feeling, leads to emotion. So that's exactly the process that the godly soul follows in his ambitious journey to take over the the city. He says, let me explore godly ideas. Right? You, You want to study about Shabbat. What do you do? You open up tractate Shabbat in the Talmud. You want to study about Sukkah? Tractate Sukkah. You want to study about Pesach? Every area of Jewish law, <clears throat> we've got a tractate for it. Where's tractate God? You want to study about God. What's the tractate for that? So over the years when Kabbalah and Hasidism wasn't revealed, it was difficult. People didn't have that access to that study. Very individual, few you know, meritorious people had it. Most people didn't have it and it was fine. It worked for them, as the Rebbe explained many times. But later on, as the world began to expose its deeper self on the physical level, a spiritual parallel was required. And so we were given access to new levels of wisdom and understanding about Hashem. And so the godly soul wants to do just that. So let me get some of these ideas contained in Kabbalah, contained in Hasidus. Let me, let me study <coughs> different uh, mystical ideas let me personalize them and then you go along won't you? if God is real and we all know these moments everybody's lived through enough to know or to even label the time when we felt God was real it was an experience it was just an experience some people had it for a fleeting moment some people have it for 10 seconds some people have it for a day these are things that vary from person to person, but everybody has it. <clears throat> and this is the godly soul. His center is that. He wants you to tune in again and again to those kinds of moments. And he does that via the brain. Via the brain? The brain. <clears throat> he's going he's gonna to filter down ideas and the language that every part of your body can understand and allow you to have a window into what it is that the truth of reality is, and he hopes that he wins this way. Now, he does know, and the Altar Eber discusses this, he does know the basic principle of life. We don't act based on what we know, we act based on what we feel. That's an extremely powerful statement, and it's very, very big. Because we, we do that, this is the human experience. We could know truths and in a moment of impulsivity act according to our feelings. We do, this is the way Hashem made us. We know truths, we know them to be self-evident and yet we react, yet we engage, yet we give in. These are, this, is, this is us. there you go you nailed it you're right on yeah it doesn't make the animal more sophisticated than us but it makes the animal in that way look in other words this is how low we can fall and the godly soul knows that see he's not living in his head in the sense of believing that the head has all the keys he knows he's got to carry it down and make it Practical, make it relevant. This is dot. dot is personalizing any intellectual thing, making it, you know, it yes, but subjective in this sense, is the key to good things. So <laughs> the Talmud says that uh, children have no dot. The reason that children are not required to keep mitzvahs is because they have no dot. Now if you translate dot as knowledge. I beg to differ. We have many kids that know things. Genius kids and even not. Kids know things. But personalization, application, maturity, these are things that only come with age. And so to do a mitzvah, mitzvah meaning connection, to experience a connection with Hashem, this needs a maturity, this needs a da'at. So the godly soul says, I'm gonna guide you through from the intellectual, and we're going to personalize it so that you can feel it. it. Ask a question. Yes. Is that because the godly soul knows that once it goes into the purview of the of the emotion? I mean, from the from the <coughs> uh, from the and it goes into the emotion that, that it loses control, or that it's it has to. Okay, that's int- so that's interesting. In other words, the question is: Why does the godly soul? Look for the emotion. Is it because he thinks he's going to lose it, so he wants to grab it? Well, is, is is no. What I'm asking is, does the godly soul, like by going through the process of chokma, bina, da, and then it bridges into the emotional way that you that it that makes you feel, or the way that that you continue to do something, is even though that was a godly thing that was coming through your godly soul, at that point once it goes. Into, it's still, I guess, part of the godly soul, but it's in the, in the emotional part of the godly soul. Does that mean that there's less control within the godly soul of the emotional part? Got you. Okay, so the question is, does the godly soul lose an element of control once it enters the heart? Yes. And the answer to that would seem to be no. It would seem to be yes, I'm sorry, because we said the godly soul lives in the mind. But that's actually the very next part of the chapter where the Alter Rebbe says that the Talmud identifies two ventricles in the heart the right ventricle the left ventricle yeah. cardiologist. cardiologist here so <laughs> the, I can't say anything stupid now but here's how the Talmud identifies it the Talmud says the left ventricle alright we'll, we'll leave it here the, the left ventricle is full of blood the right ventricle is empty don't scream at me yet. Hold it. Left ventricle is full of blood. Right ventricle is empty. And so the Tanya says that the godly soul accesses the heart through the right ventricle which he does control. It's like, the, it's like the emotional part of the godly soul. Now by the way, just to clarify the biological anatomy here. We know today that both ventricles are full of blood. But those, we know the process of the bloodstream. The heart on the left side pumps out the blood to the body. The function of the right side is oxygeni- oxygenization. Oxygenization. Yeah, because the, the, once it goes through the bloodstream, it needs to get the oxygen to get fresh again and that whole thing. So in that sense, the blood is not the purpose, the blood is the means to an end. It's, it's getting purified there versus the bloody part of the heart is the left part. So that imagery is used to describe the godly soul and the animal soul. The godly soul brings it down And he wants to access the heart through the right ventricle, which is his territory in a way. So we say that in general, the animal soul's residence is in the heart, but there's an element of the heart which is controlled by the godly soul. There's always like a trick for the godly part, you know? Like, (laughs) yeah, but in the end, uh, yeah, fine print. In the end, remember the other week, in the end, you could do tshuva this way, that way. In the end, he has some control on the heart. Yeah, sure. But by the way, the godly soul needs to also influence the left side of the heart. He needs to get full control of it. He doesn't want to settle. It's just a step in the door. Yeah. And there's a fascinating discussion outside of this chapter, not in the Tanya, it's elsewhere, of what happens if that does succeed. What happens if the godly soul does succeed in influencing the animal soul? The, the Hasidus describes what happens is, the animal soul starts serving God like an animal. Huh. He doesn't get, tra- in other words, that's a tzaddik's thing is to transform. An animal is excited, it's heated, it's loud, it's demonstrative. If you could succeed in getting your animal soul to live with the principles of godliness, you will find yourself with an enthusiasm about God, like a noise. Because we need the Because we, that's exactly it, because the animal soul is part of our makeup. Thanks, Grace. So don't think the goal is to get there. And, uh, and cancel all the influence. <coughs> Hasidus has always been about integration. It's integrating the animal soul. You too, with your qualities, with your attributes, with your talents, serve God your way. And, and that, that is the beauty of Hasidus, the, the integration. start praying louder, you know, you start dancing when you do the Sheikh Delilah, you're dancing around. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, sure, this is what it is. Because the godly soul, see, it, it's, it's counterintuitive, but deeper connection brings more tranquility, not more noise. Anyone lit a bonfire, we know this. Start the bonfire, it's cackling, it's making noise. At the end of the night, glowing hot embers, they're just quiet, peaceful, no noise. We've always known to measure the higher level tzaddik by the calmer his service of God. If you have noise, it's a good sign, but but it's still a sign of an animal soul. we're little noisy, yeah. On the left side, noise. You see? Yeah, which is funny, because then the real tzaddik ends up looking less spiritual. People have always noted this about the Rebbe. Never moved in davening. Never. Just try try that. No shaking back and forth. He stood with a calmness. Because deep connection is silent. Somebody once asked the third Rebbe of Chabad, at Mach Tzedek, he said, What was Moshe Rabbeinu doing in the moment of Kriyat Yamsuf? The sea splits. Godliness is revealed. This is an awesome, awesome moment. What was Moshe doing? Was he dancing? Was he like? You got to, you got to think about it. Pray. <laughs> I'm not going to collapse. He oh, said oh. Moshe Rabbeinu was given Kaltenbrand, which means he was hot ice. He was a frozen statue. Inside was flaming, but outside you couldn't see a thing. Because true being in touch has no noise. But we aren't Sadax. We're the regular guys. The regular guys have animals. Animals are noisy. And we wanna bring in that power. We wanna bring in that passion. We wanna bring in that heat. Nevertheless, that's, that's, that's the godly soul's mission. He wants to infiltrate from the top down and his method is education. He doesn't wanna force anything. We'll, we'll see later, we do use the terminology, moach shalit al-halev, the brain has to rule the heart, and rule does sound harsh. But that's only in certain moments. Because no matter how much you educate, there's always moments of impulsivity. And in those moments, the mind has to rule the heart. But as a theme, the mind wants to just educate. And that way, win you over. The animal soul is, as Yiddish says, Punkt farket. it's exactly the opposite. The animal soul is centered around self, centered around self-enhancement, self gratification, and just wants everything to go that way. And he wants to hop. he wants to harness the mind into that game too. Think, understand, but think and understand the things that I want you to. Get me more stuff, get me more indulgence, get me more lust, get me more desire. He's a heart man. Centered only around himself. And by the way, it's, it's for that reason that, he can, that if he gets access to the brain, he can do whatever he wants. There's a powerful line I once heard from one of the Hasidic teachers of today, modern, contemporary guy. He said, brains don't have a conscience. People do. Brains can be harnessed to kill six million Jews. Brains don't have a conscience, people do. And so your heart, when you're passionate and angry, you'll kill 10 people. Harness your brain to make it systematic, and now you've become a super animal. If the animal soul gets access to the brain, it's just, its power is just magnified. Because now the brain is following the self. The rabbi always used the example of the Holocaust to show that. Logic itself is never a dictator of right and wrong because the brain can be harnessed any which way as long as the heart has access. So, which is, again, counterintuitive. The heart, you would think, is passionate and the brain is cold. You know, the brain would cool down the passion. No. If the heart gets access to the brain, the passion is only increased. You completely lose control. And... I mean, we, this is this is life. So we, we, we see this. Those that operate from their heart and from their ego, and they have the brains, please stay away, because these guys are out of control. The, the <laughs> nefesh abanim. No, really. Uh, instead, this is a great sign. <laughs> <coughs> Yes, that, that's true. Too much brain and no heart is too cold, but yet we want the brain to, to get into the heart. And so what we have basically is two diametrically opposed approaches. We have the godly soul whose power is in the subtlety. The godly soul doesn't try to pretend that it's a muscle man. He doesn't, because he's not. All his power is in detail, nuance. What can I get you to see? Where can I open up another blind spot? Where can I give you an insight? The animal soul, he knows. His force is in the power. Can I turn on the heat of passion? Can I turn on the improper thoughts? Can I turn on the self-indulgence? It, once he turns it on, boom, that's, that's where he's at. It's, it's, not only, it's not only two desires, you see, it's not only I want the money, you want the money. It's, it's a different approach. The godly soul wants to get inside. The animal soul wants to overtake. We know the truth. We know that the mind is supposed to win. We know the godly soul is supposed to win. But uh, it's hard. It's not, a, you know, laziness, conformism. So what are the strategies? to you, you don't take wanna... care of it? Okay, strategies are coming. First, we have to identify the struggle. Very important. Don't look for the solutions right away. The guy who asks for the solutions and doesn't want to sit with the struggle, it's it's not it won't have the power. But there are strategies. Strategies and solutions, lakhaim. Strategies and techniques. 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 It's a good word, techniques. It's not a solution. The problems don't go away.
1: It's managing it.
0: Uh, So, this is it. This is it. We know, we know who's supposed to win, but who does win? It's a fascinating fable. I don't think it's rooted in a Jewish source, but it's powerful nonetheless. It was an Indian Cherokee chief He had a little Sephardic in him. <laughs> we'll make him Jewish for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Jewish, Jewish Indian. Jewish Indian, Indian, Indian Cherokee chief. He <laughs> <laughs> was chatting with his grandson. It was they, went, Italian, but- they went to the park. They're out for a day playing ball. And the grandpa is talking to the grandson. He says, You know, grandson, Every person has two wolves inside of them. It says really grandpa, two wolves. Yep, two wolves. One is generous, kind, giving, considerate, happy, selfless. The other stingy, egotistic, narcissistic, self centered, draining tired why says really says yep I got two wolves inside of me grandpa do I have two wolves yes you do grandson you have two wolves inside you too the two wolves are fighting all the time this one wants to be generous this one wants to be stingy this one wants to be energetic this one wants to be drained this one wants to be selfless, this one wants to be selfish. Mm-hmm. The grandson's taking it in, he says, So so you have two wolves, I have two wolves. Grandpa, which one wins? Which one wins? The one you feed. <laughs> the one you feed. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's it. There's so many lessons in that story. lives. First. First, the battle is always within. People go through life thinking it's his fault, it's their fault, it's that fault. If only I would have been this, if only... No. The wolves are inside you existentially. And who wins? The one you feed. Which means it's in our power. And we know who's supposed to win. This is, I mean, please, we're not completely desensitized. Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Some more than others, others, the varying degrees. But we know who's at, where it's at. The mind, the mind should win every time. But sometimes and maybe not through any fault of our own, but it's a laziness creeps over us, a mood, an impulsivity, an emotion. An emotion. This is what it is. This is the struggle that gets identified in chapter nine. Excuse me. Yes. You know the Sfardim have a very deep belief, very deep faith that uh, they could say these things. Don't think... It doesn't work for a lot of people now. But I I do believe that people of that descent have a very, very deep belief. I was telling you the other week, I think, when the uh, Israelis from Yemen came over, and uh, the Israelis... I'm sorry, the the Yemenite Jews and the the Israelis, unfortunately, abused their power and and took them off the derech. The Rebbe then said, he could have had another 50,000 followers because... They have such pure belief. But for us, we we struggle with this. This is what we live with. And the context for the next four weeks, I want to just put it out so we have it. The battle rages in everyone. The tzaddik is the guy who wins the battle. It's critical to understand that even though we talk about the concept of people being born a tzaddik, born a tzaddik means you're born with the potential to become one. We aren't born with it. We can't become a tzaddik. Put it out there. Some people are born to become a tzaddik, but they still need to win. They still need to win the battle. So the tzaddik has won the battle. The russia loses the battle. That's chapter 10 and chapter 11. Chapter 10, we're going to learn about the tzaddik. 11, the russia. And then... We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, when you when you cross the line. But And then chapters 12, 13, 14 and really till the end of the Tanya, is discussing the Beinoni, which is where we're at. And so we've identified the struggle, and now we know it. No, so We haven't solved anything, we haven't... Uh, but we admire the problem. And we're not running away from it. We know it, we're honest about it, we acknowledge it, and we live it. I wanna just close with two two final thoughts. First, the method that I've, that I've been talking about for so long about the godly soul educating the, uh, the animal soul, it, it seems a bit simplistic and very idealistic. Like really with a couple of classes, you can convince somebody to live not in the animal way. It, Yalta Rebbe spends considerable time in this chapter dealing with that, the process of the mental understanding. But it doesn't seem to work for, for most of us. I mean, imagine we just decided now, we want to bring our godly soul into control. What are the tools we have from chapter 9? Well, we know the godly soul operates with the mind. Okay, tomorrow let me learn some Torah, let me see how we can filter down. It's not that It doesn't work for everybody. And I believe that's true. I don't believe the methodology described here is for is for us, because chapter 9 is talking to a person who hasn't failed yet. He's a Benoni, hasn't failed yet. We've all given in. We need another tip. Chapter 27, we're going to talk about this at length, but I want to just talk about it now because it's... Yeah, but at some point, they have to hold your feet to the fire. Of course. You can go on looking for like uh, platitudes but at some point you're going to have to make a call well, of course of course but here we're talking about the mind being so powerful it is very powerful but not when you have such a history of giving in it's not that easy to just turn around so sneak peek the chapter 27 the alter abbe introduces something which is called iskafia bending subjugating self-discipline. To take the first steps towards allowing your godly soul to win. For people like us, the penitents, the balei tshuva, we've given in, now we want to come back. We can't just rely on the mind. We need harsh discipline. You want to eat now? A little later. I like this, that's okay, I won't have it. As a wise man once said, change it from now to No. Not later. <laughs> Move the W. Then. Just take away the W. N-O-W, I want it now. No. Purposefully, and mindfully, and intentionally, saying no. These are the steps that are required in the beginning, and we know this to be true of anything, any new way of life you want to adapt, adopt, fitness, anything, eating because you have the history of being on the other side you require harsh self-discipline to begin with later on once you're more advanced you can habit habit and you'll tell yourself things inspiration but the the, the discipline comes first for us and therefore it's kind of like a kind of like a training process think about it in that way in other words the animal has been raging for so long he needs to be just held down for a couple of minutes. A couple of minutes every day. Okay, not just one day. A couple of a couple of days. Because otherwise you can't you can't talk to him. In other words, you want to engage him in intellectual conversation, buddy. We're not. <laughs> this is not my thing. You got to hold him down. No animal. No animal. No animal. And then he lo- starts looking at you. Okay, here we go. Ba ba ba, ba. Let's talk about this. Right. Yes, this this man is, is worried about uh, you know. Sorry. Objectivity <laughs> and, uh, subjectivity yeah. and objectivity. Yeah. That's right. You got it. I mean, this is what it is. Sure. So so in, in that way, we need that training time. We need the basic training. We need the tendency, and it's not just saying you know this is bad, so I'm not going to have it. This is good, but I'm not going to have it. In other words, we, we don't run away from reality. We acknowledge that it's great and it's gishmak, huh. and we're going to say no. Say no. Say no. So, <clears throat> so that's, the, that's the first thing to, uh, to wrap up the chapter, is that we should just know that. It, it's not as simple as the top-down approach. There are other elements. There's more nuance to it. And in our case, the nuance is discipline. the last three words, the last three words of the chapter nine communicate one final thought and this will close it. We know the struggle. We know what's going on. We know the methods each one wants to use. We know the strategies. We have to discover soon the techniques, how to handle it. But the inquisitive Jew needs to understand why is the animal soul fighting? Why is the animal soul fighting to win? Isn't he also created by God? Yeah. Doesn't he know the truth? Yeah, he yeah. yeah, but if he's not there, there's no growth. Final three words of the chapter. Kimushal hazonah The parable of the promiscuous woman given in the Zohar. What is this parable? In Hebrew again, I'm sorry. In Hebrew again? Kimashal hazonah shebezor hakadosh. What's the parable? The Zohar tells of a tale of a king who had a son. And he was grooming the son to take over his kingship. But everybody knows that commitment, loyalty, resilience is only built in the face of challenge. A boy who grew up in the palace will never know where his dedication lies. And so the king hired a prostitute. He called her in, and he said, listen to me, I want you to do everything in your power to tempt my son to slip with you. She says, you want me to seduce your son? He says, yep, I want you to do everything in your power to test him. She says, but you're the king. I I, I don't want your son to slip. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to make him slip, but he shouldn't slip? She says, that, that's exactly it. And so she goes into the act, full force, but praying to lose. Inside, she's hired by the king. She's hoping against hope that the prince, the royal prince, won't give in. Says the Alter Rebbe, the animal soul. Of course it's created by God. Of course it knows where the truth is. God hired it. He's fighting to win. But he's praying to lose. Wow. He's fighting to win. Yeah. But he's praying to lose. Mm.